City, City Limits. Limits. Brought to us by the People's Committee for Melbourne every Wednesday at 9am. City Limits is Melbourne's only hour devoted to our urban environment. To transport and planning and housing issues. To privatisations and our utility services. To building and or maintaining a sense of community. 855 on the AM band, if we can hear it through the noise and find it through the smog. City Limits. Okay, City Limits, and uh, we had trouble finding it through the front door this morning, didn't we? As <laughs> yes, we did. This morning, and uh, we got here and found there's no one um, in the building to let us in. <laughs> and my key's gone down the archaeological pile at home somewhere, so that's useless. Yep. hitting cups here, but anyway, here we are. We're finally on air, and uh, apologies for being a little late this morning, but it is our it is the first Wednesday of the month. We're going to be talking transport with John McPherson. Later in the program, and uh, I'm going to get John on pretty shortly. Actually, just talk about a number of things, and uh, off we'll go. Look, I'll better pour some tea first. Though, does anybody want a cup of tea? I presume. Yeah, that'd be brilliant. Right, yeah, but, uh, just for political purposes, I'll give you the red cup. Oh, wonderful! <laughs> and you have to say something while I stand up and hand it to you. Actually, and then you've got to stand up and get it. We're in trouble here, aren't we? Yeah. How do we do? Oh. Uh, oop. Right. There we there's go. All these, uh, Survived. There's all Didn't these dividers in the studio these days with COVID, you see, listeners, and um, therefore. Uh, now, look, for, I don't often agree with the Herald Sun, but yesterday morning they had a front page headline This is a race with the is over a gold medal. And they showed Olympic medal score leaderboard in Australia fourth, which is wonderful, isn't it? And aren't we enjoying the extreme zing- jingoism going on, if jingoism can be extreme, going on over the Olympics? I mean, I, mm-hmm. I like, I, I enjoy wonderful athletic performances, but uh, the host channel can go over the top a bit, I think, and the newspapers about Australia anyway. Yeah. But anyway, that aside. But then they have next to it the vaccine rollout leaderboard, and Australia is running. Where do you think in the world we are that time? Are we fourth? Oh, uh, 34th? I don't know. No, you're way out. 78th. 78th, okay. <laughs> 78th on vaccination. So that's doing wonderful tricks, isn't it? Um, but however, here's, here's one of the better ones from the Herald Sun, though. Um, they had a, this was actually the week before last, but it wasn't on last week. But I think this is so good, it's worth coming back and repeating. They had a headline, Fossil Fools Proliferate, which is as objective as you can get anyway. If you're a fossil, yep. you know, people pose fossils, they're obviously fools. <laughs> Greens, green councils slammed again. Greens-dominated councils have been criticised for signing up to an international campaign to lobby governments to ratify non-proliferation treaties against fossil fuels. This is similar to the anti-nuclear one. And Moreland, Yarra and Darabin have backed the push. And the criticism, they've been criticised. Who's criticised them? Who do you think criticised them? Um, well, maybe the fossil fuel companies themselves? Well, more or less, same thing. The Institute of Public Affairs. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, of course. Yes, they said it's a stunt, um, by inner city councils, they are overflowing on the um, bins are overflowing. He said um, Australia contributed less than one point three percent to global carbon emissions. Well, I'm sure he doesn't doesn't count our Scope Three ones with all that coal and gas we send off to other countries. But nonetheless, yeah, or think about our per no, capita emissions or yeah, none of that. Darabin, Yarra, and Moreland emissions are a tiny fraction of that, so their acti- activism won't actually make any difference. There you are. So, uh, well, that sounds that sounds like a great initiative. And what for the a councils. clever! See, fossil fuels proliferate. It's a it's a pun on fossil fuels as well. It's a clever headline, isn't it? Yeah. They're so good there, aren't they? They're so clever. Did you see there was another attempt by the Liberal Party to get um, fossil? Or maybe it was just Barnaby Joyce suggesting that fossil fuels should, or, or coal um, should be included in the green energy. Um, fund like the the green bank. Yeah, they're fighting that. There's currently they want they want they want um, burying your head in the sand to be considered to be part of the renewable energy thing, which is <laughs> yeah. Quite, and the Labor Party looks like caving in on it as it caved in last week on taxing the rich and on on negative, on gearing. negative gearing and yeah. all that. Yeah, it looks like it's going to cave in on that one as well. But um, which is you know because then the government can't attack it. But then again, uh, it may as well have exactly the same policies, I suppose. Now, here's one. Uh, the um, Clive Palmer has been putting out around the country 
propaganda and leaflets uh, attacking vaccination. He's doing an anti-vax campaign. And he's been really flooding indigenous areas in uh, around the country, particularly around um, in South Australia and around Western Australia. Wow, I didn't know uh, that at all. Yeah, um, good old club with all his money he's got. And then there's, there's also this week he's, put, he's got these ads running again attacking um, the, all the other parties and attacking lockdown. And there was a, there was a half-page ad in, um, I think it was actually in the Herald Sun. It was the Herald Sun the last couple of days. Lockdowns destroy job. I'll show it to you so you can let the other people know who can see. They can see. Yeah, Lockdowns destroy big, big jobs. Writing. Yeah, United <laughs> Australia Party. We can never trust the Liberal Labor parties again. Well, we might remind Clive that not only lockdowns destroy jobs, but so do bosses who lock down their nickel plants and don't pay their workers millions. Um, someone should remind Clive of that, I would have thought. That would, that would help. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, what we'll do now, look, we'll take a quick break. Uh, here's a test for you. Um, uh, Zeb, yeah. Zeb, Zeb is actually um, doing the panelling today, um, which is he's light years ahead of me on that. Um, but it's her first it's her first solo attempt. So we'll, But we're going to get John McPherson on the line and we'll have a chat about other things. There's some... Some, I think, some glaring hypocrisy in some areas I want to um, discuss in the next few minutes. Okay, I'm not sure whether I can get John on the line, but I will go to a break and we'll see what we can do. armed states are talking big and spending up with no intention to disarm. The Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons provides a pathway out of this mess, and it's up to us to get our government on board. Tune in to ICANN's Ban School to learn more and be part of History in the Making. It's five online sessions from June to September. Check it out and enrol at icanw.org.au forward slash bandschool. That's icanw.org.au forward slash bandschool. The international campaign to abolish nuclear weapons is a 3CR supporter. Every Tuesday at 9.30pm on 3CR, 8.55am, the Greek Resistance Bulletin brings you news from the social movements of Greece in English and Greek, news from the anti-fascist and anti-racist front, and news from actions and political initiatives from below. Κάθε τρίτη βράδυ, 9.30 με 10, στον 3CR 855 AM, η εκπομπή Greek Resistance Bulletin σας παρουσιάζει στα ελληνικά και τα αγγλικά νέα από την Ελλάδα των κινημάτων, νέα από το αντιφασιστικό μέτωπο, νέα για τις δράσεις και τα εγχειρήματα από τα κάτω. Greek Resistance Bulletin, σπάζοντας το μονοπόλιο της ενημέρωσης. Down on Memphis 
Okay, and uh, we're back on City Limits. John McPherson on the line. John, um, welcome back this month. Thank you very much, Kevin. Um, I do, before we go on to a couple of things I wanted to talk about, one I did think worth running past you or running past Deb, you might want to make a pick of this. There was a headline in the paper last week, um, Voters Rate Berejiklian Over PM. Um, now, it's a pretty difficult choice. Which one would you go for? <laughs> uh, I think, yeah... I think I'd go for her, actually. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> Partly because she's a her. <laughs> I've got a little bit more confidence in women's basic, um, you know, common sense. <laughs> Right. Well, it's a close we are, <laughs> we are talking about Gladys Berejiklian here, though. Yeah, I know we are. <laughs> okay, and okay. She somehow survives the New South Wales Liberal Party. Now, that's pretty. That's a pretty tough gig just to start with. Yeah, that's true. It's like surviving the New South Wales yeah, Labor yeah. Party, I suppose. Um, look, a couple, one item I did want to raise today, because I think it's uh, quite, quite serious. We know that in the Haynes Royal Commission... Mm-hmm. Kelly O'Dwyer, who was then the minister, whipped in terms of reference in relation to super funds because she wanted to get the unions away from you know the industry mm. super funds out of the way, mm. and the government's really intent on it. But of course, that backfired. It actually got the other lot, the retail mm. lot, and showed they were the ones who were ripping off. Mm. Mm. And in fact, this just this week, um, Westpac was fined three million, which is really chicken feed to them. It's, it's pocket money, yeah. but they were fined over breaches of um, no fee for service uh, which arose out of the inquiry arose out of the Haynes Royal Commission uh, but there's no move to get them but this week uh, the government with um, you remember I mentioned the Institute of Public Affairs earlier Tim Wilson who came from there into Parliament <laughs> and he also led the push of course against the gov- the Labor Party in the last election when they tried to um, when they wanted to actually Take some of the some of the handouts to the rich off them, and he he said this would attack poor mums and dad investors and That's all that right, sort of crap. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, this week the government is is in fact setting up an inquiry to investigate increasing share market ownership concentration by the eight fifty billion industry superannuation sector, uh, and he's going to chair it. <laughs> and and they and they so obviously it's another push to get the industry super funds. And yep, um, yep. and in fact, and of course, um, sounds the, a bit the, desperate, don't you think? They must be desperate. The yeah. and the industry super funds are pushing more public sector. They that's what they go on about. Frydenberg, the treasurer, obviously, emphasised that super should be a key area of ownership focus in his letter to Mr. Wilson approving the inquiry. So um, the whole liberal movement's behind attacking them, and in the same week. Wilson came out and said that uh, he's chair of the House of Reps Economics Committee, which is why he chairs all these things. He's questioned the thinking underpinning elements of the Hain Royal Commission's final report, using the competitive pressures created by a thriving mortgage-broking industry as an example. And he's come out and said that virtually saying Haynes went overboard in terms of recommendations about controlling banks and the financial industry. So yep. he, he yep. wants to let them off the hook. Um, on the same basis, though, John... Yeah. In the past week, a government inquiry, a, a, a treasury inquiry, showed that $25 billion, real figure, $25 billion is probably more than that, really, was ripped off by employers from JobKeeper who yeah. didn't deserve it, who didn't qualify, and who literally ripped off the government. Well, um, it's, just an, it's just an early payment on the tax reductions they're going to get from the government later. Well, that's right, from the, from the same money. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so you know, just, just, just shrug your shoulders and go, and go and look at the sporting pages. That's all well, I I'm leading say. up to the shrugging of the shoulders bit. But uh, <laughs> anyway, for instance, um, the... Well... Um, Solomon Liu, whose company's got trillions out of uh, mm-hmm. out of it, but this time because the, his workers weren't getting, the government wasn't paying for his workers, he stood down staff 
yeah. um, in the current lockdown in Sydney and he's told him just to go home and bad luck staff would go home without pay. But a company like Best and Less, which is a, you know one of those yep. places yep. that one sell of the, lots one of the basic, basic yep. Um, yep. They got $42.6 million in JobKeeper last right. year. Right. And they ha- and this it was supposed to go to them to be handed to their workers. Yeah. Um. So they were, they were the channel essentially. They only fifteen point seven mil of that was passed on to its employees. They pocketed the other twenty six nine six point nine on the bottom line. They might have said it was a you know fee for service or something in taking the twenty nine six point nine mil or something. Um, and um, and they also. Um, they also showed a 62% increase in the mm. year in their earnings. Mm. But most mm. of that came from government handouts. Mm. Now, another one was the Sydney, the Royal Sydney Golf Club, which is the oldest golf club in the, you know, it's one, oh, yeah. um, the, sorry, it's the Australian Golf Club in Sydney. Oh, it yeah. got one and a half million, yeah. but didn't, but also they got to pass it on to its employees, although the CEO increased his salary over that period from 618 to 635 grand. Um, and they also um, got all this money but didn't deserve it. Now, in each, each of these cases, it's shown that they didn't meet the criteria, yeah. and very few of them did. So we imagine that there's two points here. They're, they're in, this inquiry into super because that's run by workers or workers mm-hmm. unions have a bit of a say in it. Yep, yep. Um, also, of course, we saw the robo-debt where people didn't rip off, but they were accused of that. Yeah. And we saw the incredible impact on individuals rising out of yeah. robo-debt. Yeah, yeah. But, and the government relentlessly went after them, although inquiries have now shown that the government yeah. was illegal, not the people who yeah. were ripping yeah. off. Yeah. So we imagine that the employers who ripped off and have been exposed as knocking off $25 billion, John, will now be shaking in their boots waiting for the government to come at them. <laughs> you reckon? Well, I thought so until this week when Josh Frydenberg actually announced, uh, while he announced the inquiry into super funds mm. yeah, yeah. Um, for workers, he said there would not be an inquiry into the JobKeeper rip-offs. Yeah, um, yeah, he yeah. said it wouldn't be, and he made the point that it had been highly successful in keeping businesses in business and Australians in jobs and the usual crap. But he's announced they will certainly not investigate the twenty-five billion rip-off by bosses. So, isn't it lovely to have that it, sort it, of? It, it, mm. it, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, where do you where do you start with these sort of these sort of rackets? I mean, really, you know, really. Uh, you start with a government that hands all this money to caring employers, I think. Uh, and where do where do you start with the Labor Party? I mean, have they got any? Have they got enough gumption to stand up to any of this stuff? <laughs> they seem to be losing gumption by the by the second. Uh, we're all falling about in the studio, John. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it it decided, we said a few weeks ago they would, but they've decided to back tax Mm. cuts for the richest of the rich on the basis that if they they oppose them, the government will attack them for it. Well, oh, my dear, the government will attack them. Goodness me. Um, And they've also now decided to, well, they look like they're going to back, well, they also backed off, as we said earlier, they backed off uh, negative Mm -hmm. gearing and other other handouts to to people with with property development and property investment, and now it looks like they're going to back off on opposing on the government's proposal to include um, carbon yes. capture and storage yeah. in uh, in in renewable energy handouts, and the government and the Labor Party starting to go weak on that one as well. So they're they're they're, yep. they're just yep. hopeless, hopeless. They certainly. They certainly are. I mean, a lot of it, of course, goes straight back to being frightened of the Murdoch Murdoch press. But, but you can hear the pouring of tea in the background, can you? I can. Karina's walked into the studio. Karina, do you want a cup of tea? No, I've got water, thank you. Oh, she, she locked me back. Do you want oh. to top up uh, Karina while oh. John's talking? No, no, it's okay, all, all right good. Here. Keep going, John. I'm sorry, we're just, but this is more important. <laughs> right, you've, got, you, you've got to sort out your domestic arrangements. <laughs> That's right. Oh. <laughs> and critically important, John. That's right. Um, well, well, you know, they're frightened. Of, look, Labor's frightened of the Murdoch media. But the thing is, the Murdoch media will attack them whatever their, whatever their positions are on these things, you know. The Murdoch media just hates Labor 
pull, you know, end of story. It's not, it's not because they hate their policies. They just hate the whole idea of Labor, you know. And, 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 and they, so, they even so hate Dan Andrews really, more than Labor, I think, which is the same thing, I suppose. But they, yeah, well, he, so, he's you know, terrible. Who are you talking about? Dan Andrews. They really. That, oh well, I hate him because he he's, he actually does seem to have a little bit of backbone when he's not breaking his breaking. Oh it. no, poor thing. Yeah. But he seems to be seems to be relatively okay. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's any point in trying to pander to the Murdoch media if you're if the ALP. You know? Yeah, you have a point that there's always going to be something that they'll pick out to mm, um, mm. to drag you through the coals for yeah, when, yeah, when it's election yeah. time. So yeah, yeah, might as well stick to your guns. Yeah. But uh, it's, so I, I don't think I don't I don't think Labor's going to get going to get a lot of value out of um, you know um, kowtowing to Murdoch. No, and also the the. The, co- the concept of supporting tax cuts to go to the richest of the rich at the same time as because of COVID and, and what mm. we've been talking about, government's mm. got the biggest debt ever. Mm. Uh, it means if you, get into, if you do get into government, and what, what, what reason is there for people to vote for you if your policies are exactly the same anyway? Yeah, but if yeah, you do yeah. get there, yeah. what can you do? You, you know, what you're going to have to yeah. start doing is looking at where you can cut pub- essential public services because you're not going to stop handouts to the rich. And also, they've effectively said we won't increase taxes. And once, mm. once people promise not to increase taxes, it ties your hand behind your back in what you can do in increasing services yep. in areas yep. where we think they ought to be going. But see, not even the Liberals, of course, will, will um, re- cut back on spending till after the next election because they must be feeling quite liberated that they're off the leash as well, you know, that they can they can spend, spend, spend. And that yeah. seems to be the attitude of Frydenberg, you know. Yeah. That's right. Hopefully well, they don't do too much more pork barrelling and, and what when you were mentioning the golf club before, I, I was reminded of the sports rorts. Mm. And then my mind went on this weird tangent where I imagined that, like, pork barrelling was some Olympic sport. And that the <laughs> Liberal Party would would win at it. <laughs> Australia could probably probably win that one quite quite well. I wonder where the term pork barrel comes from. Anyway, uh, it'll it'll either come out of um, English English elections in the eighteenth or nineteenth century, or Tammany Hall in New York. That yeah, I think it's like the, a, I think it's United States, but I'm not actually yeah, certain of that. Yeah, my guess yeah. would be Tammany Hall at New yeah. York, where the where the where the politics were amazingly corrupt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> go on. <laughs> so I think you might have got a you might have got a barrel of pork if you promised to vote for the right person. Now, now also <laughs> while we've got while they we you know went went hard on robo debt mm. for people who had hadn't ripped off, and while they're going hard at super funds, again. They're about to pass um, because last year during COVID they they relaxed the 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 shareholder share market disclosure laws for big business. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. now Frydenberg wants to make that permanent. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, yeah. funny. Let, how, him, let him off the hook. How amusing! And, is, that and a, it, is that a is that a step back from the Holmes recommendations as well? Yes, it is. And he he, yeah. he wants to, and he needs one more. Of the independence in the right. in the Senate to get it, because yep. yep. Pauline Hanson said she wouldn't, mm-hmm. uh, but now she says she will, and um, <laughs> and it's interesting. Well, um, she can be pork barrelled that one. Yeah, yeah, but she she changed her mind over three hours. Um, Hanson well, initially said the bill barrel. would the bill would make proving breaches of disclosure laws very difficult and would make companies and directors virtually immune from civil litigation. Well, that's what it's all about. Mm. The government needs to abandon this attempt to shield corporations and insiders, she said. Three hours later, she changed her mind. And um, anyway, she's mm. now supporting it, so they need one more. So that's another one they're giving to business. Right. Right. And we mentioned, I think I mentioned two weeks ago, but I'll just repeat it, that they've also um, they've also be arising out of out of Haynes. They've brought up new laws to cover financial service executives and and legislation to improve individual accountability. But unlike with unions, where individuals can be fined, they've dropped what used to be in the legislation until they've now changed it, where individual business people can be fined for breaches of this act. 
Uh, so, in fact, they're saying individuals can't be fined now and they're supposed to be tightening it up. And uh, people who follow Haynes and believe that Haynes yeah. was right are suggesting that maybe uh, the government, in fact, is making it weaker than it was. Oh, so all over the place it's happening. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, well, Pauline is um, um, turning into a Brian Harradine by the sound of it. You know how how he could be. He was used to be bribed, bribed by the Liberals by That's Johnny Howard. That's and right. He he used to to um, you know force a hard bargain to uh, get some more some more pork for uh, Tasmania. Yeah, the old mm. Brian Harradine, the old grouper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And also, um, going, oh, what are we up to? Third, we better go into transport, John. I just will. Oh, okay. I'll, 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 I'll give you another five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all right. Well, no, we'll go into transport. I, I was going to raise a couple of industrial issues, like Coles, for instance, has now abandoned enterprise bargaining, and it means all their staff are going to have reduced pay and conditions um, as a result of. But the, the financial review is blaming the unions for being recalcitrant about this, and it's the unions' fault. <laughs> oh, no. Um, so there you are. Look, we'll take a oh, very dear. quick break then, John, and we'll come back okay. and we'll talk transport, yeah. Righto. A message from Victoria's community sector. I'm looking forward to not worrying that my patients are going to die of COVID to no one else being separated from their mum in aged care. I'm looking forward to our wedding and having our family and friends from overseas here with us. I really want to see my mum. I'm looking forward to being able to welcome guests without a mask on. To having all the sports back to normal so that my family members can come and watch me play. I look forward to performing in front of a big crowd again. So please, get vaccinated. Please get vaccinated. Please get vaccinated. Let's get back to the good things. I ask you to get vaccinated. For all of us. Please get vaccinated. A message from Victoria's community sector. A 3CR supporter. Okay, I'm back on City Limits. And John, um, I've got a few items here, but anything you wanted to, to raise on transport that's... Caught your, uh... Oh, yeah. It's, I've been noticing um, the level of service disruptions that it's, you know, technical faults and things like that. Something goes wrong, you know, that suddenly in the morning peak hour, trains aren't running on some line or another. It seems to be... That, that never seems to reduce. There always is this steady, you know, annoying annoying drumbeat, you know, of things go wrong at, you know, somewhere at, say, Caulfield Junction, you know, something goes wrong there, or particularly in the western suburbs at, say, Newport, something goes wrong there and the trains are suspended for an hour and then they promise, oh, yes, we'll get the buses to come and pick you up instead. And, of course, we all know that the um, arrangements to bring the buses in to replace the trains is, is as chaotic as anything anything in Melbourne and takes a very long time. So you even in this time when the when the numbers of people travelling aren't all that great, the system, you know, is still having all these all these um you know, breakdowns uh, going on and on. Never never seems to be never seems to get the system never seems to be maintained can be or or even attempted to be maintained at a high standard where everything works. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder um, what the requirements are in the mm. private agreements um, yes. related to maintenance because it is a bit of yes. a tricky one if you're working on um, short or medium-term contracts with private companies um, yes. Yes. to, I guess, incentivize them to to conduct maintenance for mm. the long-term like uh, well-being of the of the public transport system, um, but I don't know too much about how mm. they they try and do that. Yeah, well, you're, you're quite you're quite right to raise that the the um, the the um, the operators have to try and you know re, you know they get penalised if they don't reach a level of performance. Well, of course these. Um, these sort of failures, when 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 points don't work or the signals fail, 
often seems to be the signals failing. Those sort of things, of course, mean that the trains don't operate reliably that day and probably for hours at a time they don't operate reliably. Mm-hmm. And that should should lead to quite a reduction in the um, in any bonuses that the um, operators are uh, awarded by the government at the end of the period, you know, the three months, say a monthly period or a three-monthly period. Um, but you'd think that would be enough pressure on them all to uh, improve improve these, um, you know, the operation of all of the system, but it doesn't seem to be. That's the thing that gets me, this level of, um, of um, poor, poor functioning. And, of course, it, it, you know, it, it, it it affects the peak hour more than anywhere any time, you know, else because that's when people are travelling. So I I just am bewildered that none of these things ever seem to get rectified in a in a in a um, comprehensive way. Mm-hmm. And of course, we've talked about it before. Zeb's raised that point, though, that with the yeah. the privatisation is really not quite private. It's it's an ambivalent privatisation yeah. because it's effectively we rent out the system to the private operators, yeah. but yeah. we still own yeah. the system. But then that yeah. that causes obfuscation or confusion around who actually yep. is responsible. Yep. Yep. And uh, you do know there's these announcements things. at times that oh yes, we're going to give them some extra money to to fix this, that, or the other. And then you then I often think well. Sorry, should they get extra money for fixing that? Because the things seem so integral to the, you know, the basic functioning. Why would you, why would you expect to get extra money to fix things? You know, it's, it's yeah, it is a very, it is a very, very strange system. But it's uh, going to be all fixed up, John. Oh, good. <laughs> yes, we're about to bring in the um, the new system, the the new technology that allows peak hour trains to run every two minutes and now this also operates in many places around the world it's been doing it for years Mm -hmm. we're going to test it now and we're going to bring it in we're going to bring it in on some not all lines but on some lines in Mm -hmm. 2025 when the metro tunnels opened yeah uh well let's hope it does open by 2025 but um uh, it seems to me that given this technology is around for a long time why haven't we done this already that's a very good question, Kevin. Um, and um, I have to say that usually our technology trails um, at least 20 years behind the best, the best levels in places like Japan or, or Europe. Um, and even when we trail 20 years behind, we, we don't seem to be able to necessarily make it reliable. So I'd be, I would be really rather worried about um, this higher-tech, you know, very electronic um, signalling system they're bringing in. Working with the, uh, with, you know, with the basics that we've got in place at the moment. So, you know, my one of my constant comments, I think I must must bore people, is that before we start thinking about building, say, the orbital rail line around Melbourne, we should get all all the rail lines we've presently got up to up to a very high, you know, good standard, with double track all the way to the end of the line, and you know, m- modernised, um, reliable signalling, not necessarily, you know, the most the most magnificent electronic signal signalling, but at least reliable signalling on every line. Mm-hmm. And that uh, also reminds me that we've been talking about getting the Disability Resources Centre people back on to talk about uh, progress with uh, making sure. tra- the tram system more accessible, yes. and the technology to do that is already, like, oh, it's, yes. it's very simple to implement, um, but it's been a, a conversation for the past 50 years or something now. Yeah, well, it's certainly, certainly the prom- promises have been made over the last 20 years, at least, um, and, it, it's a, and if the promises have been met, we'd have, we'd have, we'd have a 100% um, uh, accessible system now, I think, at least at least with the trams. Um, probably more... Uh, maybe. It's hard to tell with the bus network because the bus networks in Melbourne are so scrappy um, how far that's got. Um, you'd expect every modern bus that they um, buy to at least have have a, have a wheelchair lift at the front door and things like that. Uh, but I'm not even sure if that's, if that's the case. 
Ah, oh dear, yes. Um, yeah, well, but, uh, it, but they always, I mean, well, I've been, I suppose, involved in, in yep. some way or other with disability yep. issues on transport for probably 30 or more years. Yeah, yeah. But the good news is they always tell us it's going to be fully accessible in 15 years. And it, yes, they tell us that right. every year, so it's good to know. That's right. It keeps, it's a movable feast, all right. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah the, uh, the, 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 the tram improvement seems to be incredibly slow. I mean, it, it's not... I mean, I'm, I've, it occurred to me that watching the speed with which they've gone for these very expensive uh, level crossing uh, removals, you know, which, you know, at least to some degree is a bit, has been a very good thing. But you look at the speed with which that's happening and you know, then you look at the, the, the lack of speed where the um, improvements are, being, are supposed to be being made for... Um, you know, level accessibility for uh, people in wheelchairs to trams, which are, of course, much smaller projects in totality than the um, level crossing removals. And yet they do one of those projects a year, perhaps, and then they seem to have to stop and take a big deep breath and go and lie down before they do another one. <laughs> you know, why aren't they... Con- you know, why don't they can have a continuing, you know, process with those where they go... They just keep going. They don't seem to. And it's only useful if every stop on the line is accessible. Yeah, but exactly. you know, there are many lines where at certain points you run out mm, and mm. you've either got to get off at that point and it's a long way to push in a wheelchair or whatever yeah, or yeah, if you have yeah, you know, yeah. mobility problems of any sort. Yeah. Um, um, but, the, yeah, they, so it's quite useless unless you can get off and on and off at every yeah. stop. Yeah, or, or the, yeah, well, yeah. So, you know, you would think that perhaps you would decide to, to you know, this year we're going to fix this tram line, next year we're going to fix that tram line. But that's, that doesn't seem to happen. It's, it's all just random little bits, bits are done. And, 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 of course, you then expect people, you know, with, with disability or, you know, have problems with access to know all the, all the ins and outs of, of, of the system, you know, which, which lines they can travel on. Which which tram stop they have to get on at or get off at, and that's you know that's um, fairly um, fairly ridiculous when you when you you know think about it even a little bit. Yeah, mm. it's like another added burden that you have to spend yeah. an hour planning a trip just to yeah. have a well, trip for <laughs> half an hour. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think what happens then is you say something like about that to a government minister, and they just wave their hands in the air and say, "We'll take a take a you know taxi, you know disability." Um, taxi instead, you know, that would probably be their response. Which is half but, fair, but that's a lot of bloody money if you're on a, a, lot of, in, exactly, on a pension. Exactly, yeah, and, and the whole idea. And it's been, the, it's been the idea across at least the Western world now for decades that, that people with disabilities should have the same access to everything as, as able-bodied people. Yeah. It shouldn't, there shouldn't be any, any um, restrictions. Yeah, uh, it's... Uh, it's all taking a very long time. I, I think w- we can go back to the theme. The government seems very focused on its level crossing removals, and they've just announced a whole new, a new package of those. Um, I think they've found that they are very good. Um, they poll very well those those projects when they uh, check out what the voters think. Well, I reckon after all this, there'll be. Um no crossings between the city and Ferntree Gully on the Belgrave line, yeah. Yeah. and um, and uh, within ten years there'll be um, busiest trains. Packenham and Lilydale will also be free of level uh-huh. crossings. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they yeah they're planning heaps of them, but it, but it, as we've said before, the the main beneficiaries of this, of course, are are cars. It means cars go mm. faster, and in fact. The minister said it's an incredible achievement that has created jobs, reduced congestion on our roads and opened up space for more trains more often. But as I've said before, it doesn't do much for trains really because um, Mm. it's all about moving cars faster, but it's seen as a public transport initiative. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, I notice, um, I think it's Adelaide's taken notice of the... um, what's been going on with the level crossing removals. And I think they're taking notice for the same reasons, that it um, it's, um, can be sold as a public transport improvement, but it's actually about improving the road system, you know, which is a, a sort of a double win mm. um, for uh, cynical governments. And, 
I think they're all pretty cynical. Uh, yeah. So, interesting. Uh, um, the, um, the the argument goes that, you know, they're getting the new signalling on, on the line, the busy lines, at least the lines that were busy before COVID, you see. We don't we don't really know how things are going to settle down after after COVID's dealt with. You know, it may be that the, the system will be quite, you know, have different demands. But anyhow, the, the lines like Pakenham and um, and out to um, Sunbury and things like that, they're the lines that are going to get the uh, the fancy signalling so trains can run more often uh, because they, they calculate that they're going to have much greater uh, peak hour demand on those lines. And so the train will need to run every two minutes and they'll need to be bigger trains. Yeah, well, the changes would be, could be to, I mean, the changes could be to the public transport system but also to the road system because if less people are going to be going sure. to work um, in an office or at, at a That's factory, right. That's I mean, right. factories, probably people have to go there, but, yeah. but there, there could be less cars on the road because less people are going to work from home mm-hmm. uh, and are working at home. Yeah. Yeah, well, well, that's right. But it, but it's um, you know the public transport system in reality mainly services the, the the central central area, you know, the CBD and the surrounding inner suburbs. Because frankly, the the service provided in most other parts of Melbourne isn't really good enough to get people out of their cars. So if if people are no longer travelling to to offices, you know, that are in the central zone and staying at home, yet yeah, there'll be a There'll be a um, maybe a, you know a, a long-term fall off on on peak hour um, travel to the city, um, but further out uh, it may not think it may not change much. But, so we may become a more car-dependent city than we are already. Well, they're talking about hubs pretty, in various yeah. places where they'll sort of virtually have you'll be able to live and work in the in that area. Uh, they're saying that uh, with, with this with this loop thing they're talking about that's going to be 50 years ahead, that yeah. they're going to build massive sort of high-rise developments and areas around those stations, some of those key yeah. stations. Yeah. And there's yeah. also a development recently they've announced a, a big plan for the for the area around Werribee and, um, and Tarnit in that area, right. a sort of a right. new hub there. Uh, and they're right. talking about providing all sorts of innovative trackless trams, etc., as public transport for that sort of area. Now, it may be that this will work and people will start working in those areas, but it, the, the jobs have to be there. If you're going to say you want mm. people to work and live there, they've got to have jobs to go there. Yep, yep. Or, but, you know, it appears that a lot of office jobs, has, it's been discovered people can, you know, can, can run their office job from home, you mm-hmm. know. And the, um, you know, the performance of the workers, you know, still still quite good. You know, they're not they're not malingering over their mid morning coffee or anything like that. You know, <laughs> um, it's uh, yeah, it's, uh, it could be a brave new world, but it could be a brave new world where you know cars become even more um, you know more dominant, uh, and that and there's an excuse to spend even less money on public transport. You know, which um, which is a bit bit of a worry. Yeah, and John. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask about because we mentioned last month briefly the the airport rail link. Yeah. Um, and I I assume that you know like rail uh, plane travel is also going to be sort of changed into the future. Um, but yeah, I wanted like I don't even know whether this rail link is it planning to basically be directly from Melbourne to the airport or is it planning to service other places in between. Good questions. <laughs> it, it's a, it's supposed to make at least a, a couple of stops, I think. Um, certainly, Sunshine, because it's going that way, and Sunshine would be a major interchange for people coming in t- from Ballarat, Bendigo, and Geelong. They'd be able to transfer to airport trains there, and that's seen as a major advantage for, for people from the regions. Um, there, there is maybe a case for the line to the airport having a couple of suburban stations in, in that area around Airport West, that it goes through up there. That 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 area there is not well served by rail-based public transport, and there might be a point for, for, for linking people in 
into the into the system there. But every time you you add a stop into the into the service, of course you 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 cut down the speed. Mm-hmm. You, know, you add you know three minutes to the trip, um, and that's always a question because you have the you have the um, the business types to say, oh no, we want the fastest, most direct train from the straight from the city to the airport. You know, um, but well, they're not actually going to get that anyhow from what's what's planned for Melbourne. It's it's really not going to be as fast as an off-peak taxi on the freeway to get to the airport, uh, and um, you know that so that that would still be the fastest way to get to the airport. Even after the train line's built, so mm-hmm. so if the train isn't going to be this um, really really fast zingy thing, why not just run it as part of the ordinary metro metro system and charge ordinary metro fares? That's my um, that's my thought. Yeah, um, that's certainly what I would be more interested in. And yeah. if it turns out that in the future, less people, especially exactly, people that yeah. aren't in the like the business class are yep. uh, yep. going to be using air travel anyway. Yeah, yeah. It seems like it would be a more useful... Yeah, yeah. And then, then it's if it's integrated into the normal public transport system, it's it's more useful for workers at the airport too because they can, they can you know, transfer at various places to the line to the airport the way they should be able to transfer between them. You know the present services, but of course it all all relies on decent decent frequency to to make all that sort of stuff work well. And often we don't have the decent frequency in Melbourne, especially outside the. Oh, but out. after twenty twenty five, there'll be a train every two minutes, John, on this new system. <laughs> <I suppose. laughs> but see, this thing, this airline, right on the airport, they're talking something like ten billion dollars for it. I just find that, you know, I still find that. Beyond staggering, you know. There was an ad in the paper the other day, and I, I, mean, I think we all know public consultation is a farce in these things. Yeah. But the Melbourne Airport Rail Have Your Say Project Concept Designs. Yeah. Melbourne Airport Rail will run from a new station at Melbourne Airport to Sunshine, travel through here, yeah. continuing on to Cranbourne and Pakenham. This route delivers the best connections from Melbourne Airport to the regions and suburbs for all Victorians, mm. getting people, and they say trips into the heart of the CBD in around 30 minutes. We want to hear your views on parts of the project, including Sunshine Transport Super Hub, Albion Flyover and Station Works, walking and cycling connections, bridge over the Merrilong River, bridge over the Western Ring Road, check out, etc. So I imagine they've already made up their mind anyway. But Well, um, well, well what's, what, what is the view going to be that it should be... Well, my view would be, well, these things should be well designed and it'd be nice if they didn't look too ugly. <laughs> but what else can I say? You know, if, that's, if they've already decided that's what they're going to do, that's that's about where you're left, isn't it? You know, just looking at the, um, looking at the, um, you know, the the um, things like the, the, you know, will the bridge look nice or uh, will the station work well? You know, all those things. But they're, they're oh, yeah, yeah, it's so frustrating. They like kind of give the illusion that you have a choice mm, of, mm, of anything, mm. but really yep. the, the things that it's matter they've illusion. really decided yeah. on. Yeah, thank you. It's an illusion, yeah. And the, you know, really the, the have your say thing should be, well, what sort of a system do you want to get to the airport, you know, and offer. offer what offer, you mean you a know. real say, John? Well, yeah, well, that would, that's, <laughs> the level, that's the level oh, at which... God. That's the level at which a real say, you know, should be able to make a difference, you know? Should it be mm. cheap and cheerful, or should it? Should we really, you know, spend huge amounts of money and then charge a huge amount of money to travel on it? I think the most important thing is the one that Zeb raised and you you raised um, mm. that, that I th- and I fear we're going to lose on this one. But I think it has to be a normal, yeah. a normal Met ticket, yep. um, a Mikey card gets you to the airport at normal yep. suburban fares. Yep. Uh, but yep. I suspect they're going to have a pretty inflated, um, yep. inflated yep. cost. Yeah. I think it'll. I think it'll probably have a twenty dollar, uh, you know, something like that add on above the above the Met fare, maybe, maybe more. And that still won't really cover the capital costs of the thing if it's going to cost 10, 10 billion. It seems to have turned into another um, 
vanity project for you know both levels of government, federal and state. Mm. Seems to me. Yeah, and there's also uh, the point that Zeb raised, of course, in terms in long term about the future of flying anyway, and as you know, yeah, yeah, in well, relation to climate well, that's another, change. That's another thing that makes it could make it look really silly if uh, if flying never gets back to its uh, pre-COVID levels. Yeah, and well, climate um, change is going to impact on it <coughs> as well, surely. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's right. Well, yeah. So on, on it goes. I mean, it's the same with the orbital rail line that you know. Andrew's office apparently dreamed up on a serviette. Uh, <laughs> that's that's you know that's that hasn't been studied in any you know rem- any detail at all. It's just it's just been offered up as a another gee whiz, isn't this exciting thing? And you know a lot of people have that have that basic feeling. Oh, you know it, it'd be so much easier, easier to go across town if there was a rail line. Well, yeah, but the rail line's got to go where you want to go. And that even an orbital line isn't going to isn't going to fix all those problems for people. Sorry, you know, in a big city, you need to have a gr- a grid of services. Really, too, if you want if you want to give people all all the um, all the choices they need, mm-hmm. but, but that doesn't seem to be recognised. That are frequent and connect, of course, as well. You know, you don't mm, you don't exactly. spend twenty minutes transferring from one to another, waiting for the bus or something. Yeah, exactly. That, that exactly. in fact they're yeah. they're there waiting for you, and yep, uh, yep, so it's really yep. efficient. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and that all that all requires frequency because the more complex the network gets, the harder it is to make everything arrive and depart. You know, say so you've only got a five minute um, interchange time. Um, I mean, you know, there are places that manage to do it, like Switzerland, but uh, it seems to be beyond seems to be beyond us. <laughs> I'm getting the impression, John, that you aren't all that impressed with the people who run our public transport system. But well, <laughs> I, I, I might be wrong. Look, it, it's, it's, it's a frightening, it's a it's a worry, but it seems to me that it's, it's becoming public transport is becoming a sort of a theme park, you know, where um, Andrews, you know, comes up with the latest. Um, the latest joyride, you know, yeah. and and then, and then people who don't actually use the public transport system, you know, look at it and think, oh yes, they're doing good things with public transport. Yeah, we've got to go. Unfortunately, it's nine fifty eight. Yeah, um, but look, we'll do it again next month. Thanks for your time. Yeah, yeah. no, but but you know, the the airport rail link, I think everything it's it's it looks like it's slowly being nailed down by Andrews and uh, Morrison, but yeah. I think it's. I think it's 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 really worrying. It's going to end up looking like a perhaps not a white elephant. It's going to look a little a bit grey though. It's not going to be very um, mm. yeah, not going to be very cost effective. Yeah. Yeah. All right, John. Look, thanks for right. today, and we'll do more next month. Right. Okay. Okay. Thanks a lot. Thanks, guys. Thanks, and Zeb. Uh, thanks. Thanks for doing a great job. Oh. Uh, a medium job. <laughs> <laughs> no, a great job, a great job. Um, yeah, next week will be our Energy Week. Energy Week, and um, there's heaps happening there, let me tell you. All right, thanks. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.